Uh, good to see you guys. Thank you uh, to all those who uh, covered over the last few weeks. I was able to watch the services when I got back, and uh, oh my gosh, just great services. Uh, Shalem, thank you for uh, yeah bringing God's word about fearing God. That was knows that that's not easy topic, but you you, you mastered it. It was great. Uh, the youth, Becky, and the youth group, they did a great job as well. Um, we've got some amazing young folks in our church. Amen. Um, so that was sweet. And then last week, uh, we had Steve here, missionary, uh, iWire at uh, Simpson. He did a great job as well, great communicator, and fun to hear about Japan and what God's doing there. Uh, we'll have to see if we can get him back again sometime while he's here this year. So um, anyway, so thank you to them, but also to all those who worked behind the scenes uh, with a lot of other things going on, uh, you know, uh, Grace took on a ton of work, uh, having to uh, kind of organize the schedule each week of the service and also trying to keep the elders in line uh, so that they uh, didn't get out of line and all that. Uh, so she did a great, amazing job and all the work, extra work she put in and, uh, you know, our media team and, and uh, so many others and people locking up and people closing down and people all that kind of. Anyway, so thank you for all those people that uh, kind of stepped in and took care of those, those roles that oftentimes I just kind of oversee on my own, but uh, wasn't around to do it. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to my kids for having beautiful grandbabies. So on the left is Oliver. Um, so sweet. Uh, I love our little Oliver Mark Reigns. And then on the right is Riley Leanne Vandemark. Yeah. So very sweet. Uh, Oliver came a couple of weeks ago. Riley just came this last Thursday, and uh, so she was 10 days late, so she was a little stubborn, didn't want to come out, probably be that way the rest of her life, right? Uh, it's <laughs> going to be great for her parents. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that was great. We got a good time uh, doing that. Excited about that. It was that was uh, really a blessing. And now we're anxious to get back and see him again and get some snuggles in. Right. So that's good. So thank you, church, for letting me get away and see my grandbabies. Um, God is good. Amen. I'm excited to do a baptism. We were scheduled to do one in two weeks, and then I got a call on Thursday, and they said, uh, hey, we uh, got somebody else who wants to do a baptism, and they don't want to wait till the 29th. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's make it happen. So, so we got the baptismal up. If uh, you weren't planning on getting baptized today, but hey, you want to get baptized, let me know. Like, we'll, we'll dunk you right now. Let's, we'll just make it happen, right? So uh, matter of fact, there's some of you that I would, Scott, you want to, I would love to, yeah, back at you. No, no, okay. Uh, anyway, but uh, let me know, because right, this is uh, new. But we are going to still do one on the 29th, but uh, second service, we've got a young man that's coming in that's uh, looking forward to baptize, baptizing him. And I understand that Aaron Pitroff is actually teaching on baptism down in the Sunday school with the youth right now. And so who knows, maybe we'll get a few more of them, uh, second service as well. And then we'll do some more on 29th as well. Anyway, it's going to be amazing. God is good. But uh, seriously, let me know if you would like to get baptized. Uh, it's, it's a great honor to, you know, Jesus gave us a couple of ways of connecting. Connecting with him. One is through communion. 
right? Uh, to take his body, right? His broken body, to take his blood, right? His poured out blood. Uh, but he's also given us baptism, right? Yeah, that we can join with Jesus in the symbolic uh, dying to our old self and re- resurrecting to uh, the new life that he has in us. And, and so uh, it's a great thing to be a part of. If you've never been baptized, uh, I just encourage you to really be seeking the Lord in that. And I think it's an important part of what we do as, as Christians and as a church. Eventually, I will preach. Um, Flowers in front of me. We uh, had a wonderful memorial service for Juliana uh, yesterday, uh, right here in this room, and and these are flowers that they had for the for the service. And aren't they beautiful? And so, thank you to uh, Jeannie and Mike uh, for uh, yeah allowing us to have these up for uh, this service today, uh, and uh, also for having to such you know Juliana was uh, just a wonderful soul, uh, wonderful and troubled soul. But uh, we are so excited that she is now uh, one with her uh, Savior. Uh, it is hard for us, though, and for the family to process the grief of losing that relationship, uh, especially a, a young woman who, uh, for most of us, we, it seems too soon. Uh, and especially as she began over the last six months to see some healing and to see some uh, some life coming back, and then and for this uh, to happen, it just uh, it, we, we, it leaves us with questions. We don't understand why, but however, we do have this truth that we always can cling to: is that she's better where she is today than she was when she was here, and so. Um, it was great service yesterday, and uh, I know many of you were there, uh, but we uh, continue to reach out to, uh, to Jeannie and Mike Kuiper and their family as they continue to mourn the loss of their daughter, Juliana. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Have you missed Acts? <laughs> it's good. God is good. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20 today, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip uh, the first half uh, as far as reading, and not going to really teach too much in the first half of chapter 20. Uh, Grace pointed out the shock uh, that I wasn't going to take advantage of a long sermon by Paul that led to a young man falling out of a window and dying. <laughs> And I uh, said, what, you're not going to preach on that? And I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm not. I'll mention it maybe. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so, uh, yeah it was an interesting portion of Scripture. I encourage you to read the first half of chapter 20. We'll just zero in on the second half of it this morning. But, uh, you know, Paul, in this chapter, uh, there's this a transition that's happening. Uh, up until this point, Paul has been uh, going on his missionary journeys to these different cities and sharing the gospel and, and, and uh, developing and building churches and, and leaders to, to cover and, and run and care for those churches uh, and that kind of thing. And, and now in chapter 20, things begin to turn because now uh, Paul is feeling the pull from the Holy Spirit to return to Jerusalem knowing that his return to Jerusalem, that, that, that you know, things are going to be different. He still has this hope of eventually getting to Rome, doesn't know exactly how that's going to go, but we see that he's, you know, there's some concern. He recognizes that going back to Jerusalem, it, he, he sees the Spirit's giving him this vision that it's going to lead to, there's going to be some pain and suffering in that, yet convicted that he needs to go. Uh, and, and as a result, he's recognizing as well that, uh, 
the churches, the people that he spent time with over the last many, many years now, uh, developing relationships with, doing ministry with it, a lot of them, it's going to be the last time that he gets to see them. And so as he kind of meets with different groups of people in different churches, he has some of these last conversations, if you will, Uh, the the time when he can kind of give those uh, those priorities, if you will, you know, the the last time you see someone, you know, oftentimes, you you know, the last time you're at a job, you know, and you know you're moving to a different job or you're moving to a different church as a pastor, like, you know, you kind of want to think about, okay, what do I, what do I want to leave them with? You know, what are the things that I want them to really remember? and center on, and, and we find that a little bit in, in Paul's conversation with the elders at Ephesus here in the last half of this chapter. Paul zeroes in on uh, what I've called core ministries, if you will, but three core areas of ministry that Paul wants to encourage the elders to continue to be engaged with. Through his own example, he points to, but also in an encouragement and exhortation to them to follow his example in participating in these ministries. The ministries of testifying, the ministries of being aware or bewaring, and the ministry of giving. So let's read this chapter, or the second half of this chapter, starting in verse 17. Now from... Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. 
And all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. So we see in this passage, again, this conversation, this teaching, if you will, to the elders of Ephesus, the priorities that Paul wants to impress upon these elders, these leaders of the church. But I want to caution us from suggesting or thinking that, okay, this is just for the elders. So the rest of you can go home. And if you're an elder, then you have to stay here. Uh, and and this, this is for all of us, right? There's, there's a, a priesthood of all believers that Peter talks about. That all of us who are in Christ have been called into ministry, in, into the great commission, but also into caring for one another and caring for the flock. And so uh, we all are responsible. Romans 12 talks about how we are responsible to each other, that we belong to one another. And so these words are not just for the leadership of the church. Certainly they are for the leadership, but they're for all of us to embrace and to grab onto and to pay attention to in our lives. The first he gives is this testifying to the gospel of grace. In verse 24, he, he, he writes this, but I do not account my life of any value nor of precious myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is the, the call that all of us, again, have. The great commission Jesus gives, right? This, this, uh, this command to go into all the world and make disciples of all. To share the gospel around the world. Even at the beginning of this book, Acts, in chapter 1, you will be, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. So we have this call for all of us to be those who testify to the gospel of, of, of grace. Christ died for us. I have 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, I, I believe, on the screen for you as well. And we'll read that really quickly because what is the gospel? This is the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance, Paul says to the Corinthian church, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the foundation of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins. Paul also makes a point in verse 20 of Acts 20 here. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and house to house. He is calling the elders. He's calling us. God is calling us that this gospel message that we are to testify, we testify in public and in our homes in private. That this is, uh, the, the gospel message is meant to infiltrate all aspects of our life, our public life and our private life. It's not meant to be just a Sunday morning thing. It's not meant to be just a during prayer meeting thing. It's meant to be throughout all of our life. 
And the gospel, again, is to be the whole counsel. In verse 27, Paul says, uh, says this. He says, I can find verse 27. For I did not shrink again from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That when we are testifying to the gospel of grace, we're not leaving things out like sin. Our world loves to try to draw people to Christ based on his love and his love alone. But we must understand that Jesus doesn't just offer us some uh, happy, uh, you know, uh, palatable, you know, comfortable life where he just gets to dump his love on us all the time and there's no expectations on us to recognize our sin and repent of that sin. So we have to give the whole gospel. We need to make sure we give the whole counsel and that we live that whole counsel out day to day. Words and life, words and deeds. We don't water down the truth of the gospel. We, 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 we communicate it all. The whole counsel, the whole life. I think one of the greatest challenges is for us to live, to allow the gospel to infiltrate our whole life. As a pastor, I have the advantage of just about every relationship that I have, every encounter I have throughout the week is with church people over church stuff, right? It's, it's filled with Jesus whether I want it to be or not. It's a great benefit. But it's still a challenge for me. The reality is this. I just realized this in my last couple of weeks on vacation. I struggle sometimes with my family to allow the gospel to flow through me. I can get lazy with my family, thinking, well, it's time off. Church ministry was here. Now I'm done with that. I'm vacationing from ministry, and now I'm hanging out with my family. And, just, and no talking about Jesus. No, no praying. No, no whatever, right? And so it's a, it's a challenge for me, but I think, it, it, so I want you to know that because I know that it's a challenge for you. Maybe with your family, it's the same thing. Maybe with your extended family, when you get together, you know, you just all of a you know, normally during the week, you're talking about Jesus all the time, and then you get together with these family reunions or whatever, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus just kind of comes in the background. Or maybe it's your career. Maybe it's where you work. Yeah, you love Jesus like crazy when you're around other Christians on Sunday mornings and the weekends, maybe with your family even, but once you get to work, it's kind of like, oh, now Jesus kind of falls into the background. testifying to the gospel of grace is both words and deeds and it's the whole counsel but it's our whole life may we continue to allow the gospel to flow out of us may we be purposeful intentional about that in those areas where we're where the gospel is not being testified through us Maybe we be aware of those areas where we, we recognize it's not that we purposely not saying anything about Jesus, but we've never brought Jesus in there. And so we never think about Jesus when we're there. Every aspect of our life needs to be a testimony to the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. Next, Paul gives them a warning. He says, 
In verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. And going on, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. I like how he begins this awareness piece, this, this warning piece with, a, a, first of all, a recognition of within. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. What Paul is calling us to here is to be aware of Satan's schemes within you and within those in the church. Are you aware? Do you see where Satan is trying to divide you? Satan is, that's, that's, that's what he does. He divides and he destroys. John chapter 10. That's, that's his purpose. Dividing and destruction. Jesus' purpose is life. Do you see the work? Are you aware of the work? I just recently became aware, even just to this, yesterday, while, while continuing to finish up this preparation for this message, of a family member where I felt there was this division coming in. And at first, my tendency, the natural, and I think this is for all, our natural tendency is to wallow in that tension, to, to allow our minds to begin to defend ourselves and to attack the individual. Well, they're wrong. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have been acted that way. And defend ourselves. I'm right. As a matter of fact, I need to tell them they're wrong and I'm right. And so we kind of get, we get, we get wrapped up in that and get fired up and we get all angry and we're all ready to go and we're ready. And do we realize though, are we aware? This is exactly what Satan wants. He wants to divide families. He wants to divide our church. We see the divisions all around us in our world today. This has been going on for some time now. We've talked about it many, I've preached about it many times. This reality that the world, Satan is doing all kinds of stuff in our world. And, 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 and I've encouraged you. I says, don't look at what Satan's doing. Look at what Jesus is doing. Because when we look at Satan's doing, we are going to join him in his destruction and his division. But when we look at Jesus' doing, Jesus is constantly bringing, bringing unity, bringing people together. Are you being brought together or are you being divided? Do you recognize what's going on inside you? Do you see Satan's schemes to use your weakness, to use your, your uh, self-absorption, to use your, your, your desire for you to be right and to have your way? Do you realize Satan is using that to bring division? Do you see it? Do you see what he's doing in others? Whipping them up, getting them all fired up, getting them to be defending themselves. You see that in them as well. Be aware and beware. Satan wants to divide us. Church, the division over the last couple of years has mostly been outside of our church. But do not fall asleep. Satan wants to divide us in this room. There are going to be things that happen in our relationships with one another that are going to challenge us, that are going to push those buttons in us. Are we going to allow Satan to have his way 
and to bring division? Or are we going to say no? Not going to let that happen. I'm going to stand and focus my life on Jesus. It's not that we as human beings don't sin. We do. But the question is, what do we do with our own sin? We repent. And what do we do with someone else's sin? We forgive. I love how Paul says in verse 31, Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. This word admonish, admonish means to caution and to reprove gently. In other words, there is a time for us to confront one another about our sin or offenses, but we do it with gentleness, with tears. We encourage one another we exhort one another, we confront one another, we forgive one another. We have to understand that Satan is constantly working to divide our world and our church. And he will use whatever he can to bring about that division. And so we have to be aware. We have to recognize it. We have to be open to that, see, you know, be, that we would be able to see it and then work against it. Let's not work with Satan. Let's find some humility and be ready to repent of our own sin or at least to admit that maybe we don't understand the whole picture and that the offense was not purposeful. We must choose to remain united. Finally, Paul gives one more uh, encouragement, exhortation to ministry, and that's in regards to giving. He starts this off by, in verse 32, focusing on our inheritance. And now I commend you to God and to the world of, the, of his grace, excuse me, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The foundation of giving is understanding our inheritance. When we understand all that we have received because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we are freed to not be hoarding the things of this world. We are freed to give away freely. Because we know that the thing that we have is much greater than anything in this world. You know, this, this is, you know, his, his point, like my life, he's like, I know, like I, I sense that the Spirit's telling me that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and it's going to be hard. But you know what? I don't, I don't really care about my life. I don't, I don't, I, my life is not that big a deal. Like if I lose my life, it's okay. Because why? Because I have this amazing inheritance that's waiting for me in eternity. And the moment I breathe my last here, I will breathe my first there, and all will be good for the rest of eternity. He calls his, his elders, he calls us to be givers. 
to give generously, to give sacrificially. And why? Because we have such a great inheritance. We don't need to stockpile. We don't need to hoard things here. We can freely let them go and allow others to enjoy them. Matter of fact, we're called to not seek or not to rely on worldly wealth in verse 33. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Can you say that? The American dream is all about us working hard so that we can have. But as Jesus says, as Paul quotes here at the end of this section, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The, the, the kingdom economy is that we work hard for other people, for the benefit of other people. We don't work hard for ourselves. We work hard for others. We have, our, our American mindset is so screwed up on this. It's so messed up. We are brought up from very young age to, to, to work, be work, good hard workers so that we can receive, so that we can have, so that we can be you know, safe and secure, so that we can ha have the nice car, the nice house, the nice thing to have security, to have all this. We, we work hard for ourselves. It's all selfishly motivated, individually motivated. And we can't even say, well, I'm just working for my kids, right? No, no. No, 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 it's, that is, that is self-serving as well. It's your kids. Have you ever worked for someone else? The kingdom mindset, the kingdom perspective, we are not citizens of this earth. We're citizens of his heaven, his kingdom, right? If we're citizens of his kingdom, then the mindset is that we work hard for others. They're the ones we defend. We don't defend ourselves. We defend others. We don't work hard to, you know, a bunch of stuff for us. We work hard to give away all that we have so that others can be blessed. Any blessing we receive is never meant to be held on to by us. It's always meant to be passed on. We've all experienced, I think, at some point, maybe you haven't yet, but if we hoard the blessings of God, we will just stop up receiving any more blessing. The only way the blessings continue to flow from God is if we freely give them away. We've got to continue to make room. We see this in Acts, even in the sharing financially of the church, people selling their property to be able to give it to the poor, right? Because God has blessed some with much and others, he's not given them those blessings. And so why? Why did he do that? So that we could work hard for each other. We don't fully understand all the whys, but we know this, that according to the kingdom mindset, we're those who have give and help those who don't have. Are you a generous giver? It is amazing to me that I have found in my life, and maybe you have as well, that the most generous givers are like those who had the, the widow's might givers, those who don't have anything, seem to be off, oftentimes the most generous of givers. But those who have much oftentimes are the stingiest of givers. 
I think there's a time coming in our world where our barns filled with grain will burn. What I mean is that all the wealth that we have stored up and hoarded for tomorrow is going to be gone. And we will be left asking the question, was it worth hoarding when I could have maybe given a little bit more to that mission could have maybe given a little bit more to that homeless person. Could have maybe given a little bit more to my family member who was in need or my friend who was in need. We have a mindset in America that says save for tomorrow because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. God knows what's coming tomorrow. Why are we saving for tomorrow? He knows. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Careful. But I think we, we, all, we all need to maybe reevaluate, or many of us need to reevaluate our future security plan, financial security plan. I mean, after all, when, when you're retired, if you have no money, what are you going to do? Perhaps you'll be like the Israelites in the desert. And every day you'll get up in the morning, you'll say, Lord, we need something to eat, and he will provide. And maybe your clothes, you just won't have to replace those shoes because they just keep on going. They just don't wear out. I mean, is it such a bad thing that we would, as Americans, have to rely on God every day for his provision? Like, have to. I, I'm just, I just want to point out, you know, we, we are in this wealthy world, right? This wealthy culture that is so zeroed on us taking care of ourselves. And here we see Paul like it's more blessed to give than to receive. We see this reality throughout scripture that this is what our life is about. Is it, we work hard for others. We work hard for Jesus, right? We work hard to care for other people's needs, not just our own. And we do it with joy. Some of you have had this experience. When you do have someone that comes to you has a really difficult physical need of some sort, financial, and you're able to meet that need. <laughs> and the joy, the joy that comes, not just in them, but in, in yourself, in your own heart, in your own soul to know, like, God, just you allowed me to, to bless this person, to care for them, to pass on what you've given me. You're using me right now to, to, to bless and to care for the needs of this individual. Jesus calls us to a life of giving, not receiving. And Paul reiterates this reality here in this passage. At the end of our careers, at the end of our lives, most of us, I think, get to that point where we begin to be really thoughtful about what we say. We begin to really be purposeful about the last words that we want to communicate to the person that we're with at that moment. This is what we're experiencing here in this chapter with Paul. 
He's been a long life doing ministry and building all these churches, and now he recognizes that things are changing, and, and it's maybe coming close to the end. Certainly, he's got a couple more, two, three more years, but he knows he's not going to see these people again, and so he wants to share with them the essentials, the, the priorities, the things that are really important. You know, Jesus did the same thing, the Great Commission, <laughs> the end. Of course, Acts chapter 1 again, the last words to his disciples. But Paul here breaks down the Great Commission a little bit more. He says, yeah, it's about testifying to this gospel of grace. But it's also recognizing that there's an enemy that's trying to destroy and divide. And finally, that we all need to be givers rather than receivers. How are you doing? Are you testifying to the whole gospel in all of your life? Are you aware of Satan's schemes seeking to divide you from others? To divide maybe this church? To divide your families? Divide coworkers? Are you aware? And are you a giver? Are you a sacrificial giver? Are you a generous giver? Are you working for others? Or have you bought into this American mindset that says, we're working for me? <laughs> I think these essentials are going to become more and more important in our world as we th see things around the globe. Wars and rumors of wars and those kind of things. Perhaps we're in those end times, those last days. So perhaps for all of us, it's time for us to be thinking about those last words that we're going to speak. Don't we want it to be a testimony about Jesus? Don't we want it to be that generous offer? Don't we want it to be a choice to reconcile rather than divide? God is good. Amen. Worship team, why don't you come on up? Thank you, church. It's a privilege to be your pastor. Kind of missed my pulpit. It took me a little while to find my stand. It was, um, I think they buried it somewhere else. It was like, poor thing. It's just all alone in another room. And... <laughs> Will you stand with me? And let's, uh, let's just respond, whatever the Lord, whatever the Spirit is saying to you right now, what, whatever it is, like, don't, don't just let it go, don't just ignore it. As, as we sing this final song, I just, I, I just want you to be in your minds, be praying about that and just saying, Lord, give me more. What, what do you want me to do with this, right? It's one thing to be challenged, right, or convicted, or to, you know, be say, exhorted a little bit, but, but what are we going to do with it, Right? And so ask him that piece, like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? I hear you're speaking right now, but so what, what practically, what, what do you want me to do? What's the next step, right? And so let's do that, and then we'll just sing this song, and then I'll come up and close us with a passage here in a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing goodness to us. Thank you that you are with us always. 
And Lord, uh, we started this uh, service with a, a desire, a longing to recognize your presence with us, Lord. And, and this is, I think, so essential for every one of us is to know that you are with us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would once again allow us to know and experience and be aware of your presence with us. It is understanding that awareness, uh, that, that it's understanding that presence with us that, Lord, allows us to live with so much more boldness and awareness of what you're doing in the world. So, Lord, open up our eyes and help us to see and help us, Lord, to, to live more fully for you testifying to your goodness and to your grace that the whole council would be communicated through our mouths, but also through our lives and the way we live in every aspect of our life. And Lord, unite us together. Help us to resist the devil. Lord, we recognize that he is roaming about seeking to destroy us, seeking to divide us. And so, Lord, may we recognize that and may we work against that. May we resist the moves and the works of the devil. And may we join you in what you're doing about bringing life and freedom to the world. And, and Lord, help us to stop working for ourselves and begin working for you and for the rest of your body. Lord, help us to give away freely to things that we've received from you with thanksgiving and with joy and with pleasure, Lord, uh, that, that, that the things that we have, Lord, that we would enjoy them for the moment and then get just as much enjoyment at passing those on for others to enjoy. Lord, help us to be a church that gives and gives well. Lord, we thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for your amazing grace. And thank you for the inheritance, the hope that we have for tomorrow. And uh, no matter what this world brings, no matter uh, how much uh, evil gets, <laughs> surrounds us, Lord, that we have confidence and hope in you and help us as a church to journey together, to not deny the fellowship of the believers, but Lord, that we would continue to be one, one body working together for your glory for your goodness, for your will to be done. Romans chapter 12, great chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves, himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in, in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, be asso but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will be heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And God bless. Church, thank you for being here this morning. We would love to pray for you. If you would like prayer, please come forward. We would, whatever it is, if you need freedom for something, if you got something you're dealing with, if, if, if you're in mourning, whatever, we would love to pray with you this morning. We got one more song we're going to do. If you'd like to continue to worship, please feel free to do, stay and, and do that. If you'd like to fellowship with one another, we welcome you to uh, head out to the fellowship hall and, and have a time of conversation out there. Thank you, church. Have a great Sunday.